to Once When I Was Cool, a weekly podcast on the stuff that we like. Uh, my name's Dave. I'm one of your hosts, and joining me through the internet is Wee. How are you, Wee? I'm good, thanks, mate. Coming to you live from uh, Bris Vegas, and you're down there in uh, Hobart, where it's freezing cold and it's not too shabby up here at the moment. And this comes out, hopefully it's starting to warm up a bit, though. Hopefully it's warming up. Um, this is coming out on a day when we've hit the uh, another three-day closure in the um, corona COVID uh, uh, closures. So happy to happy to get this out there. But uh, from us, but uh, actually getting us out there to, you, to everyone's earballs is producer Simon, who's probably locked away in his place doing this for us. So big shout-out to producer Simon, who's always... Uh, getting our sultry tones out there. Well, I caught up with Simon the other day, actually, funnily enough. He came out and he's got a um, one of the early model uh, Mazda Astinas. Do you know the little, remember the oh, little Mazdas yeah. with the pop-up lights? He's got a little yeah. red one of that that he's re- lovingly restored himself. And nice. um, it sort of made me think about uh, all old cars and types of things that we used to have. And, um, I, you know, I've got uh, I've got the old, little old Land Rover that's getting restored. If you want to have a look at it, look at clunker underscore 75 on Instagram. It'll give you a bit of an insight of what I got there. And, of course, where you've got your old Tirana that was your dad's that um, you've been doing up and restoring. It made me think about parts and getting parts for those sorts of things. So I guess we... Once when I was cool, we used to be able to go to a motor wreckers or a junkyard and uh, be able to get spare parts for our cars. Yeah, this is uh, absolutely true. It's uh, they're still out there, but nothing to compare to what they were. And it's uh, you know, from my point, and um, you know, I, I might have mentioned this um, maybe on some of our podcasts, but uh, you know, I've I've spent time working in a in a um, well, car yard, uh, as in uh, uh, wreckers, car wreckers. Uh, he was also scrap metal dealer. Uh, yeah, he was sort of a jack of all, all trades. Um, well, yeah. it's funny because you grew up in a fairly smallish uh, town in regional Queensland. How many of these sort of motor wreckers or junkyards were there in uh, in the town? One. Just there the was one? Only, only the one. And... And then there was, I think, one up in the next town over, and then a couple up in the hmm. in the bigger one. So, you know, it was uh, it was a bit of an icon, really. For uh, people used to come from everywhere, um, well, northern New South Wales, uh, you know, mid central New South Wales. Just he had a bit a bit of a, a, a name and a reputation. So he used to collect old tractors as well. Um, and uh, I, I don't know whether I should say his name or not. I don't know whether probably wouldn't um, be any value. Just make one up. That's what we do for everyone well, else. Yeah, I know. But his name is actually uh, Ron the Wrecker. He's since passed away. So and the, that shop's no longer there. But he used to be called Ron the Wrecker. And um, was it funnily, spelled W R O N the W R E C K E R R O N R O N the R E C K E R right Yeah, mm-hmm. Ron the Wrecker. Um, and funnily enough, over the years, my dad used to, um, when things um, sort of changed on the farm and that, he went and did some work for him. And they've been mates since um, they dad first came out to Australia. So, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, and all of us, the whole three of us boys worked for him as well. So my older brother, my younger brother and myself. So um, all three of you then? No, only the three of us. All right, okay. Yeah, so um, we all worked there for him, and I, I remember just it was great. So he, he had two 
um, he had two uh, sort of big plots of land and, and it was about, you know, five to ten k's out of town. But on this, it was great because you had all the scrap stuff where people, would, he'd go out to auctions and buy the metal, buy up all the metal. Then um, every now and then he'd get the big record, uh, uh, the big machine presses down to come down from Brisbane or him and dad would drive all the big um, up to the big metal places up in Brisbane um, and get get money. He used to also do the aluminium cans. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a big part of growing up. So we always, I learned to strip down cars and rebuild cars very young because we had them. Um, had them around the yard. We always had engines. You, you always were doing stuff with cars and motorbikes and stuff like that. So it, just awesome. You, you, the nostalgia that was back in them, and I'm talking, you know, you'd have a, a Ford section, a Holden section. You'd have, um, you know, um, a European section or and then a Japanese section. It was just, just amazing stuff. And you'd have to go through one of the jobs is, you know, you'd have them and they'd be stacked like three high and you'd have to go through and strip them all out. So by stripping them all out, you had to take every light out of them. So by the time of no electric um, cordless drills back in the day, everything was by hand. So uh, you were saying that, and I remember there was a couple of different sorts because a lot of towns didn't just have the one wrecker or the one wrecking yard. There was quite often, in, if the town was a little bit bigger, you'd have one on either side of town or maybe even three, yep. if depending on how big it was and how many cars were around. But nothing went to waste. And I remember that what you're talking about where you'd strip cars down back to take everything out. There was a couple of different ways that they would do it. I remember there was a few around like that, usually around the cities and, uh, you know, sort of the more built up sort of places where they would, I don't know whether it be just for space or whether they... Um, whatever it was they wanted to do, but they would have all the parts and you could go and ask them for it and they'd go through or they'd tell, send you down a particular a particular aisle and you could look through the racks and things like that and everything would sort of have a price. But then there were the other ones who, if you went and told them what sort of car you had, what you were looking for and what particular piece you were looking for, they'd say, and they always knew off the top of their head where, where this car was and they could have hundreds yep. of cars in there. And they'd say, oh, yeah, we've got a couple of them over there down in that road. Go and have a look down there. And you could go down and um, if you found something you like, you go back and they'd give, they'd give you like the screwdriver or the hammer or the crowbar or whatever it was you needed or the, or the, um, the spanners or wrenches to be able to get the stuff off. And it was interesting that... Um, those sorts of places seem to always send you down. There's nothing was ever a fixed price. And I think that they usually accounted for the fact that you'd go down and you'd come back with the part you want, but they always added into the price anything they thought you might have had in your pockets, any little bits and pieces like a, um, a gear stick, stick knob or a door handle or a, or a little badge or something like that that you might have had in your pocket. Yeah, look, I think a bit of that went on. And, and these days... If you go there, you have to sort of hire out the tools or take your own tools. Um, we, we were at the point where um, I, I could tell you, if I recall, and with probably without a word of a lie, when it was at its peak, there was probably four to 500 cars, tractors. Uh, In the one you old, worked at? Sorry? In the one you worked at? Yep. Yeah, it was massive. It was... And- it was just massive. It and was, they used uh, to have, a couple of them used to have buses as well, like old wrecked buses and, you know, coaches and 
uh, lots of them sitting around in there. I don't know why you would. I don't know that many people would. They were great you know, storage, unless they were the mate. Partridge family or something like that. I don't know why you would be going looking for parts for buses. It, honestly, uh, people would come looking for all sorts of things, and it's amazing what people would come for. But what would happen is, you know, by the time he would get them, there might not be any seats in it, or he'd take the seats out and he'd use the bus as storage. So you'd go into the bus and there and there would be uh, doors or... More racks and shelves and things. Yeah. So nothing sort of went to waste. So he, he was a bit of a mixture. So he had several big sheds and one shed basically was all hubcaps because back in the day every car had hubcaps. So... You know, it'd be hubcaps, and, and they're all distinctive as well. You could either go to the uh, the local, um, you know, car store or usually department store type place, and they'd, they'd have sets of hubcaps that you could buy to fit a certain rim wheel, which were just the generic cheap plasticky ones. Or the cars themselves would have proper metal ones. And people used to always, oh, not always, but it was fairly common that people would go and steal hubcaps and then sell them on again. Well, there was a place. Um out of town on the other side of town where there was a, a, a grid. Oh, diesel's barking away there. Um, Mine are going as well. Yeah. So there was a place where all these hubcaps, it must have been something on the road and all these hubcaps. So this house used to just go and collect all the hubcaps. So on the house, all these hubcaps were just, uh, and people would go there and they'd sell the hubcaps for, you know, five and ten sort of dollars per hubcap. But unfortunately, where we lived, there really wasn't um, any sort of, there was only maybe one sort of uh, auto shop and it wasn't a really well-known one. So, you know, it was people would come and get, um, you know, different um, hubcaps. But there'd be uh, a shed with hubcaps then there'd be the, um, then there'd be a shed next to that, which be all the different bumpers and all the mm-hmm. bumpers would be, and then the doors mm. and the glass and, you know, and basically we'd get the cars in and we'd strip them, strip them down. And when I say strip them down, um, you'd not always take the engineer. It depends what he what wanted. And, the engineer. Yeah. And I, can I tell you though, mate, he knew where everything was in that mm-hmm. and he'd been doing that for most of his life. So he's yeah had this massive place and people would come at the most obscure sort of, you know, um, requests for cars and he used to collect tractors as well. So he had a massive amount of um, um, tractor collection, uh, the old Fordsons. Um, but he, he it, it was just amazing. It, it, it was amazing. I look back now and think I had all that stuff at your fingertips. That's where I learned to use uh, um, oxyacetylene, that's where, you know, um, really getting into just cutting stuff up. Um, we used to use um, an old Fordson tractor um, that had extended forks on it and basically you'd be just picking cars up on this old uh, forklift. Uh, Fordson that would have tractor. been a bit of a buzz as a young bloke being able to do that. Oh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And also um, he, so he had that and then he also had a heavy-duty forklift. No tickets. You didn't need tickets back in the mm-hmm. day. You'd mm-hmm. get on there and it'd be, this one takes it up, this one takes it down, this one tilts and side shift. Don't worry about using them. Don't you need knock to... anything over and don't drop it on yourself. Yeah, and and don't damage anything. Um, but you know, yeah, I look back now. Oh, H and S. 
It's interesting though that you could always find these sorts of parts that you wanted. And if you, even if you wanted something as obscure as a little door, uh, as a like a lock, you remember the little locks that used to um, yeah. go down into the door, and you'd pull the lock up or push it down to lock or open yep. the door. And it was the sort of thing people could always put through that packing tape and lift up if you locked your keys in or yep. if you wanted to steal it, I guess. Um, but it's interesting now that you can't really just go into it if you can find a motor records you can't just sort of go in there and find the bits you want anymore everything now is that you know the cheap secondhand knockoff um not or original equipment place and not many of the places are wrecking anymore it's more go and find the bit that you want and then you can buy it as a cheap secondhand piece made out of cheap plastic probably it comes out of china or taiwan or something like that and if you can't find it, well, you can't even go to these shops. A lot of them are just online now. I know that um, having a having a 1975 Land Rover, um, all the parts, you know, they're pretty rare in Australia. Well, they're not rare, but getting the parts are sort of hard to come by. There's a few specialist places. But I have to tell you, sometimes it's actually cheaper to pay the import and freight duties and buy it directly from the UK. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> What you'll find is a lot of the places that do sell them are, are now only making replicas, so they're not the actual uh, original parts. There's um, some really uh, up and around Brisbane, there's some really definitive um, what they call rare spares and things like that where, you know, you can get um, all sorts of things, but they're not are made they, out of the whole of factories. No, well... Yeah, yes and no. I think they do second some second hand stuff. So that's the thing these days. You will, you can go to a four wheel drive. Say for example, with my Hilux, if you go to a four wheel drive wreckers, you know they'll have some four wheel drives that have had a crash, and you can hop online and and you can either one buy the whole thing, mm. strip what you want off it, and then sell it back to them for scrap metal. Yeah, or you'll go there and. Basically, the stuff's on the shelf. So they tend to nearly get them, I think, these days, strip them down, put stuff on the shelf. People will ring up and say, I'm looking for a, a, a door, a left-hand rear door for uh, a 2002 Hilux. Do you have mm. any? Yep, yep. I remember this, the other thing they used to do is, remember there was a, they used, I think they were called All Jap or something like that. They only yeah. dealt in Japanese 4x4s. Yep. And so they had Suzukis and Toyotas and Nissans and all those sorts of things. But um, you could actually buy the front end of a, of a, um, you know, a car straight out of Japan. So if you wanted a particular model Toyota, you could buy the bonnet, the front axle. Um, I don't think the chassis, but the engine and uh, the lights and everything came into it, everything up to the windscreen and you would just buy the front end of it. And then you'd strip it back for the parts you wanted from there and then sell it back to whoever or put it up. Well, it was before online. So it was interesting. You don't seem to even see people doing that these days. No, it's more um, It's more just if you want the engine, you get the engine. If you want the lights, you buy the lights. There's so many aftermarket um, places. If you type into any, um, well, mine is a, a, a 1973, uh, sorry, 1972 Tirana. Good so year, 72. So they run a, yeah, well, mostly, even better in 73. Mm, um, much. No, only a little. No. Um, if you, uh, if I put in, I want original lights. Very difficult. You get them usually from somebody who's doing them up. But I can type in, say, seven-inch um, lights for uh, seventy-two Tirana, and you'll get all these LED ones that you, you you replace in. So everything's just replaceable. I can still get 
um, say from in, in Australia, a place called Rare Spares, I can get uh, panels from these places. And for me, most of the cars these days are a bit of a aluminium, bit of a plastic, really thin metal hybrid type of things. So, you know, it's usually a two mil metal most of those sort of cars were made of. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. No, no crumple zones. No, the crumple zones were um, were was your forehead and or your chest. That's that was your airbags. <laughs> it but, was more collapsible. Yeah, I, look, I tell you, I've got a whole um, big uh, box out there and a big bag of all the badges. You know, the metal badges. Yep, yep. Because um, my dad stuff working you, in it. Your dad collected. Yeah, I've got that much um, gear there, but some of it you, you try and you, if you have a talk into the online, microphone, mate. Um, sorry, uh, if you if you have a look online, some of them are worth quite a bit of money now. But my dad, being my dad, who's he used to be a bit special sometimes. <laughs> um, it's the eBay <laughs> wheels. Yeah, he actually um, was. He wanted to mount them on um, a big board, so he's drilled into to the middle of them and destroyed half of them. Sorry, we just needs a cough there. He's not getting all sentimental mental no. and ch- choked no, no. up. He, he needed a cough at the time. No, so, yeah. we, I just alluded to it. Then tell us the story of the um, Sicilian ninja and buying the wheels on eBay and why he was never allowed <laughs> to go on eBay again. Can I, t- can I be honest? I was only telling this story at work to a couple of the guys at work today because... Um, they were just talking about their their what they buy online. And I was, so, going back when, um, you need us to stop so you can go and get a drink, mate. No, no, all okay, good. Okay, righto. I'll just I'll just die in peace. <laughs> we all hope that. For <laughs> yeah, you. thanks. But back in the back in the day, so when eBay was sort of brand new and it had been around for a, while, a little while, my dad is uh, was very computer illiterate. So the Sicilian ninja gets on there and he's he's looking through. He needed some for his Tirana at the time. He was looking for some original Sprint Masters, which is a type of rims for them. And he's on there and he's going, oh, these look really good. $200 for these rims. Um, and, he, and he kept bidding up on them, got up to $200, and he won them. Then they got delivered via the mail in a packet because they were actually <laughs> model car <laughs> tyres and rims. So uh, he was. Uh, so he wanted them for an actual car, but he, he got wanted them for, for the an model. actual real car. And he got, and he them got, for got a these model. model ones because he didn't he didn't realise. So he thought he was getting a great deal. Uh, he got a great deal. He got a great deal of crap from us, obviously. Um, and I've actually still got the. Uh, I think Mum might even still have them at home somewhere. Those those uh, rim and, and tires. But um, he two hundred bucks. She'd want to hang on to them as well. Yeah, uh, he he was actually then banned and uh, barred off um, eBay after that by Mum, um, and uh, it was absolutely hilarious. But we, um, you know, we never sort of let him let him down with that. Uh, you that. remember though when eBay first started, you used to just go on and look for any old crap and then just because when it was actually still an auction site and not a buy it now site yeah. and you'd have to go on and bid on all these things and you keep sitting and watching it and the, st- the rubbish that you bought that you never used, it was really poor quality and there was just no quality control in it at all. But It was just phenomenal. True, true, but I think it was the whole, I think it was the whole thrill of the auction more than anything, not the actual item. 
you know, who needs 200 straws, you know, or 350 bottle cleaners or four... Um, or two, top- sets of, two sets of bonsai tools. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. What are the what are the guys today? And this is why we we're talking about it. He bought two suits, two suits, a wool and polyester blend for two dollars each off an auction site. So four dollars. I said, "What are you going to do?" He's going, "I'm going to wear one fishing." So, like a is, like a formal suit, a suit, a, you know, a suit. I, I said, "Someone oh, gee, probably I- died in them." Maybe they probably dug him up again. I was hoping they'd be like doll suits when he gets them because that's when I told him about my dad. So. Through his finger puppets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I'm just going, why? He goes, because they were $2 each. I'm like, okay. And what about uh, postage would have been more? Most likely. He, he does this sort of stuff all the time. It's amazing. You know. Okay. I, I, yeah. Fair enough. It's a hobby, I guess. So, it anyway, is. back to the wrecking yards. Yeah. One of the things that I, uh, especially watching American TV and uh, American movies, and um, shout out to our American listeners, but um, hey, Shaniqua, we've we've actually got more than Shaniqua now. We've got a few people who've sort of reached out to us, John and Tim, and a couple other people over there. So, it's, hello, lads. So, um, but watching all those uh, sorts of shows, um, there was always the obligatory junkyard dog. There's always some mean-looking, usually a, do- oh. a Doberman or an Alsatian oh. or a, um, a Rotwheel of some description back when before Rotwheelers had tails. And um, they were always, you know, these horrible dogs and occasionally a junkyard cat who was meaner than a lot of them. But did you, any of the places you ever worked, ever have dogs? Uh, yeah, they're, they're, I'm just sitting here. I think it, I think his name might have been Blue. I don't know. He was a Blue Hitler, but I tell you, you um, he he was the nastiest, meanest dog you've ever come. Like, was he bred I, that way, or is he just an ass? Just an ass. Only the guy, only the owner could go in and feed him, and he'd always try and make me go and. Um, you know, feed him and give him. Did um, you make your little brother do it? I've done that before, and I said <laughs> to him, "Look, I'll keep." It, it was always on a chain, so it was always up near, close enough to the actual main shed. So it's about mm. five meters out. But he was—he lived under one of the actual little shack that had all the um, uh, hubcaps and stuff in, and. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sure his name was Bluey or something. I, I, I honestly, Let's just I say can't it was. Remember. Yeah, yeah, but nasty. You, mm. if you walked, you know, near it, he'd come out, and it'd be one of those rah rah rah, and like absolute. He would have ripped you to shreds. Um, and I'd worked there on and off from when I was like 13. Yeah, and he just hated everyone except mm. the owner. Yeah, he didn't mind my. He didn't mind the ninja. Yeah. He could go in and give him a pat, um, but ooh, anyone else, like I've seen, um, we've had to make it very clear that parents used to have to walk on the other side yeah. if they had kids because they'd just go down. It'd be like a bit of a family event. They'd come in and, you mm-hmm. know, they'd go down looking for one thing and mm. come back with something totally different. Mm. But, uh, yeah, no, nasty, nasty animal. And so what would you make your brother do? Go and feed it. Oh, we used to. He used to think he was a bit of a dog whisperer back in the day, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, like no. when he used to sing songs down the phone. 
Yeah, yeah, mm. he was like a, a yeah. He's done also. Yeah. I told you a story about how um, he was used to put cats' heads in his mouth when they were kittens, no. and walk around with safe. Them. Oh, I think he did tell this one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he's, mm. he was obscure. Still yeah. is. Yeah, but he so, survived me apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wee's brother wants to get a shirt that says "I survived Wee," which we're thinking about actually putting into production. Let us know if you'd like <laughs> one. Once was school podcast at gmail dot com, or maybe uh, we'll, we might just make it a sticker because t shirts are expensive. I, I was only talking to him the other day, and he was saying because uh, he, he listens, and I've got to give him a shout out because he does listen. Um, and uh, uh, there's only the three of us boys, but I keep telling him that I'm, Begin my, the microphone, mate. I'm my mother's favourite and um, that he's the fourth favourite son. So, yeah, you've told us that before. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah good. I know. Good. So, yeah, so he used to have the junkyard dog and he was always a bit rough. But you mentioned there just a Nasty. minute ago. You used to just you mentioned that it used to be a bit of a family affair. I remember getting together with a couple of the blokes, Bowler in particular. Um, I don't know if you remember. We'd do tours of the four wheel drive wrecking yards. I can't ever remember whether we actually needed stuff or we were just looking for stuff that people might have had that was a bit better than the stuff we had. Um, and we used to always be spending time going around to the different wrecking yards, and then you'd look in the trading post to see where there are other ones. And I just remember there's one up in Gympie that we went up to one day. I think we went to a couple yeah, on the Gold right. Coast. Sunshine Coast there as well. Uh, I've, look, I've been to a couple of them when I want to bits and pieces because rather than paying 40 bucks for something, I might as brand new, might as well go and get something for 20 bucks second hand, you know. Yeah, yeah. And that's what my old man used to say all the time, brand spanking new second hand one, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, but I've been out and got little bits and pieces, you know, the light coverings, anything that sort of might yeah. break, little light coverings, because to try and find them and to buy them. Yeah, you have to you buy the whole set now. You have to buy the set or you're paying more for postage and I just refuse to do that. Then the mm. actual, they'll jump onto um, they'll jump onto their two-way and get onto about three or four different records. So that's the difference too. If you actually go to these record yards, they're all on CBs. We just used to get there, and when it was time for lunch, they'd come out and yell out. Uh, mm. And if you heard them, you heard them. If not, they'd just close the shed up, and you'd have to wait till they come back. Yeah, yeah, because they weren't that concerned about your business. And I guess when someone's coming along to buy a light cover or a, um, you know, a piece of trim or uh, you know, a, a gear stick handle or something like that, it, it's probably not worth their while missing out on their tucker just to um, just to help you out. Drive into town. Mm. Um, for a cannery and a, and a couple of brews. Mm. Mm. Um, uh, people that worked in wrecking yards weren't always the easiest to get along with and they didn't really care too much about what you thought. No, they, no, they didn't. They didn't. If they come and would try and argue a price, um, I've seen them just say, just leave it there, don't worry about it. And they go, no, 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 he goes, no, not for sale now. And I've um, I've seen them go the opposite way where they people try, old buggers. Yeah, try to... Um, You'd be trying to knock the price down, so they might say for um, an engine head might go oh, one hundred and fifty dollars, and they go, "I'll give you one hundred and twenty." He goes, "No worries, one hundred and sixty dollars." And they go, "No, no, you said one hundred and fifty, one hundred and seventy dollars." Like you just got to learn to just not say anything and go, "Okay, no worries." I mean, they didn't try and rip you off, to be honest, but you know, they just didn't right. find it worth their while messing around with your rubbish. They didn't want to. They didn't want to 
didn't want to um, put up with. And people come and go, oh, I can get a better price. They go, see you later, go and get it. And that, I find that, you know, people that do that haggling and arguing these days over a sort of price, you know, they, I can't be bothered doing that. They just tell me your best price and if I like it, I'll pay it and if I don't, I won't. And, you know, there's nothing I'm that attached to. So, you know, people that seem to think that they can haggle their way out of different things, um, you know, firstly, you're not that charming and you're not that good at arguing. And secondly, just pay the price of what it's worth. I wonder if, Sorry if you disagree tried it with at, us there. I wonder if anyone's tried it at the supermarket. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'll, I'll give you 90, 90 bucks for this $150 worth of food. Yeah, or after, you've, you know, you finish the steak or go to the servo. And um, say to the person working at the at the at the petrol station or the gas station, you know, saying, "Oh, I've racked up fifty bucks worth of fuel, but I've only oh, I'll give you 40. Yeah, that won't work, will it? No. But no. people do. People will go in, and by people, I mean my wife. She will try it. She'll go, you know, what's your best price? Sometimes I just walk away and pretend that I don't know her. Mm. It's easier sometimes. And pretend I didn't speak English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably better though. Sometimes I'm like, oh, just yeah, and no, I'm happy with that price. I'm, I know I'm happy with it. It's okay. It's it's really worth three times that, but we'll take it. Mm. You know. So tell me, we for the for the fear of glitching over us again, or we'll go while the internet's still good. Touchwood. Mm. What are your thoughts? Do you miss the old wrecking yards, or you know, with new modern cars, you don't need to worry about it anymore? I, I still love a wrecking yard. Can I tell you, whenever I drive past one. I'm almost breaking my neck trying to look in there. I don't need anything. It's this whole nostalgia for me and what they actually represent. You've got to remember some of those cars were in some pretty horrid situations and there's some pretty horrible stories with them. Um, but, uh, you know, for me it was, it was a huge part of my life growing up Every holidays, I can tell you now, from probably when I was thirteen, even up to when before I started in my my um, profession, it was just um, it was just amazing. Like he used to do the scrap metal, so he used to do the aluminium cans, and he used to have a massive cage that went on the back. He had a big crane on the back of his truck that he'd pick it up, you know. But the best bit, you know, people would come out and they'd weigh out the had these big scales. You'd weigh out the big sacks. You put them into an even bigger one and just crush them all down with the tractor. So just things like that that no one would probably ever do anymore. There's so many rules. You have to have a ticket for this, a ticket for that. You know, um, I, I really honed my skills on slashing. Um, you know, as in when I say slashing, as in cutting big fields, because he had a couple of different fields, and we used to use the tractors and slash his his fields down. It was a bit like cheap. You mean like really cutting ever. the grass? Cutting the grass, but using mm-hmm. big tractor big tractors, yeah, slashes yeah. to drive. Yeah, but that's where you, because he wasn't very happy if it wasn't too straight, and if mm. you left any bits and pieces. Mm. But like a bad haircut, come with a bottle of soup. Yeah, but this man also collected some amazing, amazing vehicles. My dad and him and one of their other friends actually restored an old um, truck. It mm. was absolutely amazing. But you know, there were so many parts of the of cars and if you look at what these older vehicles are going for and what parts cost he was sitting on a he was sitting mm. on a uh, you know gold mine mm. had he still been alive today and still had it it'd be a different oh, story 
Oh, it's just absolutely. Mm. I, I remember just going and getting some of the vehicles, like the old Hudsons and things like mm. that, a couple of old um, uh, Ford T models, mm. um, 1932 uh, old um, Fords, lots of old um, 50s and 60s cars, you know. Yep. It's yep. just amazing. And his tractor collection was unbelievable. I've actually got some pictures of it. I'll have to show you one day. Mm. Yeah, all right. So you miss them. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I miss, I actually miss, honestly, the smell of them too, the oil, the oils, the fuels, Mm -hmm. because on the ground, you know, there'd be that many vehicles through, it'd be like thick tarry stuff on there and it's, yeah, I I just miss that sort of stuff, you know. I think, um, you know, people have lost the art of actually being able to look after and change out a a simple headlight or... um, Made, we used to change engines and gearboxes and stuff like that, um, mm. windows, uh, doors, you name it. So I think that's a lost art and I think mm. that's something that hopefully with our, our vehicles, we'd be able, our old vehicles, mm. we'll be able to give that back to mm. to my kids if they want to join me doing it and maybe mm. to, to you. Yours. But what about you? Did you- uh, no, I don't really miss them. I have to say I enjoyed it at the time. It was part of my life. It wasn't a big part of my life. I don't have the same sentiment towards it that you have. Uh, I think it's a, I think I agree with you. It's, I think it's a bit of a lost art and I think it's, it's more about the throwaway society that we have now that it's, uh, you know, it's easier and cheaper just to buy a new car and that's the way cars are made so that every three to five years you just turn them over and get another one and there's not much of a market for secondhand cars anymore. Um, I think it's a shame that we don't recycle some of these things anymore, but by the same token, if I can get online and get something for a cheap enough price and I don't have to get off my, my fat backside and and do actually do anything and i can just type in and pay for it yeah um and then send it through and then boop there it is um i'm okay with that as well but i I think it's i think it's a bit of a lost start and like everything that we talk about in this show um you know it's it's a bit sad that it's gone but you know time time marches on unfortunately um yeah, yeah, I don't know. And, you know, th- like I said, the car that I'm getting, well, that I, I'd like to say that I'm restoring, but it's actually getting restored for me because I had it for 10 years and did absolutely nothing with it. You um, did some bits and pieces? Bits and pieces, but nothing like what these guys are doing for me now. But these guys, that um, it's a friend, of, a friend's family they're using as a bit of a family project to put together and they're doing an amazing job. Looks um, awesome. But, you know, it's a British car and it's not a common one. And so, you know, it's common in the UK. Um, It's common in South Africa, but not so much over here. So any of the parts, a wrecker wouldn't really suit me any purpose anyway. I'd have to still order parts. So... Um, yeah, look, I'm I'm sad that they're gone and, they're, you know, it's a part of the cultural landscape that's, you know, that was Australia that's now sort of missing. Um, but, yeah, I'd be interested to hear what people in other countries or people in other parts of Australia think. Let us know if you've still got a junkyard or you've still got a, a motor wrecker or whatever you, whatever the term is. Uh, let us know. Do you still visit it? Do you still find any need to with the modern cars? Is it easy to just go and buy parts from a secondhand manufacturer? Uh, let us know. Once was cool podcast at gmail.com. Um, and we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll revisit it if we get enough interest um, and let you know what other people think. Yeah, look, you know, I'm one of these guys and I think it's just how I was brought up and, and what I, my interests are, 
you know, and I, I can tell you where every old rusted out vehicle between here and, and where my, my parents live, which is two and a half hours away, I can tell you where every rusted out old vehicle along the way is, what it is and what year it is. And that's the thing too. In the, I, I miss being able to actually tell the year model of a car, the make and model, by a shape of their grill, the shape of their lights, um, you know, just little subtleties like that. I couldn't tell you today, um, you know, in the last... About that five, Kia Sportage, what year yeah, model it is. Yeah, anything along those lines, you know, mm. or, you know. Mm. So from my point, you know, these are the things that, you know, you'd look at it and go, well, that's a 1970, that's a 71, that's when they changed it to a 72, that's the earlier model of that. Um yeah, you just don't sort of see that anymore. You just know, oh, there's a new shape. Of course, the lights are a little bit different, but you don't mm. know what exactly what year it is. Mm. So, and that's and and for me, I mean, that's technology and cars and motorbikes and houses and everything moving forward. Mm. Uh, but you know, I, I still that's why I love doing this show because we get to talk about all the old stuff mm. um, and back. and and what we liked back when we were cool. Once you know, back once when I was cool, <laughs> just like today. Mm, make a good T-shirt. Yeah. All right, mate. On that note, we'll let it go. Thank you very yeah. much. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening in. If this is your first time joining us, thanks for giving us a chance. We really do appreciate it. If you're returning, thanks again. We appreciate you just as much. And um, look, thank you for getting the word out there. Thanks for keeping us going. And uh, you know, thanks for telling your friend. Uh, lots of thanks going around this evening. So Simon as well. Thank you. We thank you, and we will talk to you soon. Okay. Bye bye.